0: Support for MPB comes from the Mississippi Museum of Art in Jackson. What Became of Dr. Smith by artist Noah Satterstrom is on view now through September 22nd, 2024. Learn more at msmuseumart.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome to the Arts Hour. This is the Arts Commission's weekly turn at the microphone here at MPB, and each week we bring you uh, an in-depth discussion with the different Creative Mississippian. We talk to musicians, photographers, visual artists, craftspeople, uh, authors, all, all types of uh, art forms here. And uh, over this month, uh, the month of January, we're celebrating the upcoming Governor's Arts Awards uh, ceremony that's going to be taking place February 6th at the Old Capitol Museum. And for each Sunday this month, we're trying to have on uh, some of the different uh, recipients of this year's recipients. And joining us today is Mr. Maurice Sorrell. He's a member of Jackson Southern Airs. Welcome. I'm glad to be here.
1: And thank God for letting me make it here through the storm.
0: Yeah, we're having some uh, stormy days here (laughs) in Mississippi. Our, Our version of winter here. yes. Uh, Mr. Sorrell, you're a longtime member of Jackson Southern Airs, and you're going to be, uh, the Southern Airs are going to be the uh, Lifetime Achievement recipients yes, in music this year. We're yes. really excited to have you. We're
1: excited as well, and like you said, I'm a longtime member, but I was born a Southern Air because my father was an original member of the Southern Airs.
0: Yeah, I saw that in in the the in the, bio, in the biography. Yes, so sir. this is, this will be the 80th, anniversary of the southerners correct yes formed in 1940 1940 wow that's amazing well kind of walk us you've been with the group probably what almost 40 years now or yeah almost 40 years thirty um, 38 plus early 1980s yeah, yeah. so mm-hmm. you've seen the second half but yes. maybe let's start off from what you know from being passed down in, in the group and that about the about the kind of the origins and the, what you know of the early history of the group
1: well the early history of the group, like I said, my father was an uh, original member, and I followed him around for years, and uh, I got interested in the music side of it, and uh, I started playing drums, and uh, after a few number of years, um, one of our lead singers passed away, and the Lord kind of gave me a vision to go on the upper side to, to start just singing, not just playing drums, so uh since i think about 19 not 19 2009 i started just singing and uh that's what i've been doing ever since
0: what do you recall about those was your father one of the original members of the group i would say one of the
1: originals because like i say he started back in the 50s and uh like i say i would follow him around to the different concerts and stuff and he was my inspiration.
0: And the Southern Airs, they were around for a while before they became a recording and touring group. I think that's an important right. thing to bring um, up. Um
1: they started out the name of the group was called the Shaw Southern Airs because you remember there was a clothing store down on Ferris Street called Shaw's Credit Clothing Store. And that's they had a theme song that went along with that and uh that's where they started to name the Shaw Airs and later on in the years they got the name the Jackson Airs. So that's that's part of that history that I remember.
0: And so this was a group that that mostly performed. Did they have a radio show at that point, or what? What? what how did it? How did the? How did their kind of touring? Yeah, they had a radio
1: work? show that came on on WOKJ back then, and uh, each Sunday morning they would do their radio program. Uh, I think it was maybe about 15 to 30 minutes that they had on, but uh, it was a popular program. And later on in the years, they uh, they got their own television show, and uh, they would sing different songs for about I say a segment of 30 minutes, and uh, they would have some other artists come on sometime to help expand the time on the program.
0: And and back in the old days the radio show was a really crucial part of kind of the the working life of a of a group. A group yes. T- tell a little bit about like how that how that got kinda of got them out there in that.
1: Well, uh, it got them out the Southern Airs out there because they recorded a song by the title of Too Late and that was one of their biggest hits that got them started on the national travelling scene. And from that point on, um some of the other members started writing different songs and stuff and and that just kind of caught on to the uh, traveling side of, of the singing and everything
0: and and the southern airs the, the of the of the founding members the williams brothers were part of it at the beginning or did they come in later the um,
1: frank was one of frank williams was one of the first ones that came to the southern airs because of his brother-in-law being Uh, Willie Banks he uh, came to Jackson State and started staying with him and I think the connection came there where uh, Frank started playing guitar for the Southern Airs at that point and uh, later in the I said about 10-15 years later Huey joined the group as a lead singer so those were the two Williams brothers that that came to the Southern Airs and uh I got my start with the younger part of the Williams Brothers back in the 60s. Um, Who were the Williams, who who became the Williams Brothers. Who became the sensational Williams Brothers. To not confuse things. Right. And uh, I started playing drums and singing with them in the 60s. And uh, we all start just traveling on the weekends as we were going to school during the week. So... I couldn't go with my dad and his group, the Southern because I was still in school, so that's why I migrated to the Williams brothers
0: so they were kind of a, like a junior group in a way to the kind of like that, yeah. the younger brothers the right. son all these right so did you guys uh go out with the with the Southern ever as kind of a as a, a matter of fact opening group
1: the one of the first recordings that the Williams brothers did um the recording. Manager, what I say, or owner of that record label, Don Roby, told Huey and Frank, if they thought the Williams brothers was so good, give them part of their album. So we did, one half Williams brothers, and the other half Jackson Southernaires, and that album was called "He's My Brother."
0: Well, that was pretty uh, nice of them to <laughs> hand
1: over half their <laughs> album to you. That's that was in order to prove that they had talent to the company okay. because they they uh, were willing to sign them at first when when they heard them record they said well maybe they are good enough and they decide to uh give them part of the album
0: of course so the williams brothers are kind of like royalty i guess of mississippi gospel i mean they've they've been and in, they've influenced so much
1: yeah i would say so
0: and uh, of course so frank williams people may know him also he part of the Southern heirs but also but uh, he
1: also the founder of the mississippi mass choir
0: right right and 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 was a long time uh he was like the head of the gospel, of the Divi- gospel Divi- division
1: at malico. In okay. malico yeah yeah that's when they opened the um gospel department at malico when frank came to the company
0: and the Southern heirs were like the first Southern Airs was the, the gospel. first
1: gospel group to sign to malico
0: do you have any, I, I, I'm just curious what that was like, if that was something that they really had to convince Malico to do, because Malico was doing R&B and Yeah, they were doing more r and B. I yeah. I
1: think for some reason, uh, maybe Tommy Couch and uh, Wolf Stevenson had heard the group someplace and decided they, they wanted to start a gospel label. So they built it up on Frank Williams and the Southern Air, So that's that's history from there.
0: And then they kind of became, I guess, almost like the, um, the Pied Piper. They brought all, you know, they came in the and opened artists, the door. right? Yeah, so. yeah,
1: because we recorded several different artists that Frank came in and produced. And I even became the in-house drummer for Malico for years. And I played on quite a few albums with them.
0: On all these gospel albums that were coming in. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Well, so how did you get started as a drummer? Was that something in church, or what? did Well, that going? I got
1: started as a drummer through high school. I played in the band in high school, and uh, I migrated from just playing single snare to learning how to play drum set,
0: and uh, I started playing for the group behind that. And your father, so he was a, a long time. Um, had he been like a lifetime kind of gospel musician as well, like through his younger younger years? He wasn't and that?
1: so much a musician, he was more so a singer. Singer, was, excuse me, yeah. Because he was the original baritone singer for the group. He also could sing other parts, but he was mainly their baritone singer.
0: And did you ever did he ever kind of want you to do that or did you ever have a, no, an inkling ever to do that?
1: Of course, mean just by me following him that it gave me the inspiration to want to do it and I heard some other um, artists do it that were from out of state and uh, that inspired me to want to go and uh, like I said the rest of history you know joining the Williams brothers back in 68 we did our first tour with the Jackson Southern Airs on the west coast and uh, we came back after that summer of 68. And we all started back to school, and we traveled on the weekends, and we got our notoriety from traveling to different states, and uh, it bloomed from there.
0: So, were you guys like high school, or how old were yeah, you? We were high school. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Were, the, were the were the the younger brothers? Were they? The, you were all kind of like we the same age. We were all kind of like the same age. Oh wow, that yeah. must have been really exciting yep. stuff to yep. be out there on the road as a high school student. Yeah. Yep. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.
1: Hello, I'm Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives, a fee-only financial advising firm and co-host of Money Talks. For over 10 years, Money Talks has been answering your personal financial questions and sharing knowledge about money management. Money Talks can be heard Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts can be found on our website, money.mpbonline.org, or on your smart devices podcasting platform.
0: We're back on the Arts Hour, and I'm Larry Morrissey, and our guest today is Maurice Sorrell. He's a member of Jackson Southerners. And the Southerners are our lifetime achievement and music recipients at the Governor's Arts Awards this year. And the ceremony is going to take place February 6th at the old Capitol. It's at 6 p.m. It's free and open to the public. Come down and meet Mr. Sorrell, the other members of the Jackson Southerners, as well as our other recipients. Huey Williams and James Burks. James Burks will be there as well. And, um, and so there's been many people through the group over the years. Over the years,
1: there's been numerous, uh, talented people that come through the years. Some of them are deceased now. And, uh, Others have moved on to different things.
0: Are there any other kind of active singers who have their own group or people would know about that have been in the group in the past who have kind of gone on to do other things?
1: Well, the only one that went on to formulate another group was Willie Banks. After he left the group, uh, he started his group called Willie Banks and the Messengers. And uh, he's now deceased. And uh, some of the other younger guys are trying to carry on that group.
0: So you started out your your dad was in the Jackson Southern Air. Was he still a member when you were starting up with the Williams Brothers and and touring with the Southern Airs or he
1: stayed with the Jackson Southern Airs maybe a couple of years after I joined the Williams Brothers. Uh, he had to leave because of health problems and uh he wasn't allowed to travel anymore. So uh but he still sings he and my baby brother have a group now. Uh, they call Truly Blessed, and they just sing locally around the area. So he's not retired from singing. Oh, period. that's great! He's still and doing he's, it. He's 92 years old. Oh my goodness! Yep, he just turned 92 on the 18th of December.
0: Well, you know, you can never retire now either. Can you? <laughs> Uh, I
1: always say that you can't retire on God's work anyway, Right. but uh, he's he's
0: more my inspiration to keep going. Well, he's definitely, well, what they say, if you, you know, if you have something that you're, you love and you feel deeply, Mm -hmm. you know, that's the thing that helps keep you motivated motivated to go. That's right. So now you stayed with the Williams for for 14 years,
1: 14 years. And I've been with the Southern Airs now uh, 38 years. So combined... That's about fifty-two years that I've been in the gospel music, gospel music industry.
0: Back in that, in the '60s, in that, I guess this, the the are are known for being one of the first groups to kind of bring the instruments into the group. That's right. The, the guitar, the, bass, the card, and drums. The guitar, bass, and drums. Yeah. Were you? Was that? Do you remember that, or was that before your time? That kind of that transition. Well,
1: that was part of my era because. When I joined the Williams Brothers, we would go a lot of places where they wouldn't even allow drums in the church and stuff. So we kind of broke the barrier in a lot of places by doing
0: that. So how would that be? You'd like show up and they'd say, wait a minute. You start bringing the bass drum in and they'd say,
1: we're not, we can't allow drums in there. And thankfully, I was talented enough to have more than one talent. So when they wouldn't allow us to bring the drums in, I was just singing.
0: Well that that's it. so you saw kind of really that the transition from, from the all all vocal to that to that full band. That's right. And uh I would imagine just the the power of having the band behind the singers really kind of it kind of gave it a big boost uh but a lot of
1: people I don't know nowadays they hide behind the music but true singers don't really need music at all but the music added to our repertoire, kind of gave us a boost.
0: Right, the, with the, when you when you hear the albums, they're not the vocals are always totally in front. That's yeah. what we yeah. strive for when we record. We don't want the music to
1: overshadow the the voices because the voices are carrying the message.
0: It does seem like, though, I was watching some uh, recent videos that you have kind of younger musicians who who back you up. So yes. in some ways, you are kind of. That's a way to, like, like you were mentored, right. I guess that the, the musician spot is a mentoring kind of spot, so right? Kind
1: of let the group carry on the legacy, you right. know, when we decide to um, retire, or like I said, I can't retire, but when uh, the Lord sees fit that we're not able to go anymore, we we'll let the younger
0: generation carry on. But that's a great opportunity for them, is like like you had to to be. I was watching a video from last year, and mm-hmm. somebody was saying, "Look at that guitar player. He looks like he's fourteen years ours." Very. I mean, they're probably college age, but they they look very young. Well, the, young, the yeah.
1: youngest guy in the group now, he's just he just turned twenty one. He was a okay. guitarist, and right. who you probably watched and they yeah. talked about.
0: But that's good. That's a definitely. Uh, I mean, that's. Multi generational groups, too, I'm sure is interesting. It sure is. I'm sure they have their ideas about things. Yeah, Yeah. they do.
1: And uh, they try to incorporate their little twist on what we've made foundation of. And and sometimes it it works for us.
0: One of the things that I've seen that's interesting over the maybe over the last 10 or 15 years in gospel is kind of this uh, gospel chops drumming that's kind of come up to the you -hmm, know and mm -hmm. where people if you're not familiar uh, especially the drummers working with kind of the bigger the mass choir type groups right super high energy Mm -hmm. i mean like amazing drum like really like like uh, beyond like the most complicated uh rock drumming you've ever seen playing just lots of fill i mean it's really really big it's really High energy, yeah, and it's filled with a lot of what the drummers would call like
1: rudiments that they put into the playing. Which I was more of a laid-back drummer, which they would say mostly in the pocket, as they right. call it.
0: Kind of like the yeah, like the the guys who played at uh like uh Al Jackson for Booker T. And the MGs, right, and That right. perfect time that right. just totally fits.
1: Right. I got a chance as I was with the Williams Brothers. We got a chance to meet. Gamble and Huff with Philadelphia International, and they gave me a, a a revelation of something that, as long as the bass and the drums are matching, you don't have to do a whole lot of riffs and runs.
0: Just just stay in the pocket. Just build that 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 build background. that pattern yeah, right. Yeah. Is that is the gospel chops stuff? Is it interesting to you, or is it just kind of like young I don't think people it's, going it's, crazy? <laughs> it's,
1: it's mostly inspiring to the young people because they're trying to emulate a lot of the other guys and try to outdo what they're doing with the different chops, as you say.
0: But it is neat to see it in the gospel context and see these just amazing musicians. Yes. I, I've watched just some. There's a bunch, there's like everything now, there's YouTube videos right. of these guys at, at church and there's four drummers and they're going back and forth back and, and, forth, and right. trying to outdo each other. Yeah. And it is it is incredible it to watch. It sure is,
1: yeah. Yep. And I, I decided
0: to hang up my stick and say, <laughs> yeah, you, you all can have it. <laughs> we'll, you last long enough, your style will come back around, I'm sure. I'm sure it will the,
1: because the traditional gospel always need that pocket.
0: Yeah. We're talking with Maurice Sorrell from the Jackson Southerners today on the Arts Hour, and the Southerners are one of the Go- Governor's Arts Awards recipients this year, coming up on February 6th. We'll talk a little bit about playing in the studio. You talked about that you got to work at, kind of in the classic era of Malico when all yeah, those when great groups were all coming of through. The
1: different groups would come in, yeah. and uh, like I said, Frank being the producer, uh, a lot of the groups didn't have a proficient drummer that was... Uh, qu- qualified to record so Brian Williams and myself we were the two in-house drummers for Malico for a number of years and I can't count the number of albums that we did
0: were those done like live with the group or would you track the the instruments or how, how, what was the process back then the
1: process was like it is now we would uh, track the music and we will maybe have a lead singer kind of to guide us along through the song. So we knew the pattern of everything.
0: And then Frank Williams, I guess is kind of leading the sessions. And right.
1: That. As him being producer.
0: Yes. How was he as, as kind of like a, to work with in that, in that context?
1: Down to earth guy, but he was strict on his music. Uh, it had to be kind of perfect for him. He was a perfectionist and, uh, he produced some good albums, and uh, a lot of his songwriting was ahead
0: of his time. The Williams, now, they were not from Jackson originally, right? They're
1: from Franklin County um, in a little town called Smithdale, Mississippi, which is near
0: Macomb, Mississippi. Did they, I guess, the older brothers came up here for school, or how, how did that get, st- what's said, the story on, on that? Uh,
1: Frank came up here to school to go to Jackson State. And that's where he went to school while he was staying with his brother in law, which uh Willie Banks was his brother in law and married his older sister. And that's how he got the connection with the Southern Airs through Willie Banks.
0: And then the younger brothers, they were you meeting were you going were they coming up here to play? Or how did you connect were they living in Smithdale like? They when were you still in
1: in Smithdale but like I said, uh by me following my dad around in different places and they were on uh some concerts and and Pop Williams uh found out that I could play drums and he asked me to to join in with the group.
0: So what was the change was there much of a change going from the Williams brothers that where it was all guys your age, I guess kind of peers and then co- coming into the Jackson Airs, which was an established group with like did you kind of have to change your style at all? Or? No,
1: the style was pretty much the same. Like I said, uh, by Frank Williams being a part of the Southernaires and the brothers, they kind of collaborated together on the different styles. And that's actually, I think uh, the Williams brothers got their style from the Southernaires.
0: Yeah, how could they not have? I mean, it's <laughs> kind of our, like one big long group, really. Right, you know, they just right. kind of got split up by the right. ages. Yeah,
1: and they were inspired by some other national artists along the way, maybe like some of the Dixie Hummingbirds, uh, the older Fairfield Four, harmonizing Four, and Swan Silvertones, and all of those.
0: What What were the big churches or towns for for your concerts in Mississippi back in the the seven, back in those earlier years? Uh,
1: mostly in the Delta area, uh, like Clarksdale, Greenville, Greenwood, uh, Tupelo up in that area. That was kind of popular areas for us.
0: And that was like, uh, every weekend kind of Thursday night or Friday night you head out or uh,
1: usually on a Friday, uh, through Sunday, we try to have something book. Uh, but then when we did tours back in the day, uh, sometimes we'd go out on the road, which wasn't including Mississippi and we stay out for maybe three to four weeks, but they can't, we can't do that anymore. You know,
0: that's a young man's game, right? <laughs> yes. You can do gospel till you're 92, but <laughs> stay it on the road. Is the young right. man of the game. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.
1: On Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, you get information about foods you should eat to stay in good health and tips on how to stay active. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, host of Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit and associate professor of preventive medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Joining me on the show each week are healthcare professionals who add their expertise to the discussion. Listen to the show every Monday at 11 or subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy with your preferred podcasting
0: app. We're back for our final segment of the Arts Hour today. Today our guest is Mr. Maurice Surrell, and he is a member of the Jackson Southerners, and they are the Lifetime Achievement Music recipients for this year's Governor's Arts Awards. The awards are going to be taking place on February 6th, Thursday, February 6th at 6 p.m. at the Old Capitol. Uh, The event is free and open to the public. There's a public um, reception before the ceremony, so you can come down and grab uh, a snack or two and, and, and meet the Southern heirs and meet the other recipients and then stay for the ceremony. It's all free and it's at the Old Capitol. So once the, the Southern heirs kind of had their earlier period as being kind of a local group and then they became this, you know, recording, national recording group, what was the business like back then? Was this a, uh, was once kind of they were you and the Williams were, well, I guess the Williams were in the younger group, but were they, was this a full-time venture for them, or did they, were they, or did they still have to have day jobs? Or Well, um,
1: after the Too Late album got its hold on the road and, and people started requesting uh, to hear the group, that's when they got uh, started on the road traveling nationally, and uh, a lot of them left their careers of, of working and started just traveling
0: full-time. But that requires basically you got to go as much as you possibly can as much in order as you to kind of make,
1: keep uh, to make ends meet, like you was fixing to say. Um, and it became a career that I love to do because I love music. I love meeting different
0: people and I love singing God's word. Non- non-musicians, you know, they they see the, the documentaries on the whatever cable channel that has stuff about musicians and the musicians are in these big buses and they pull up and they you know they get ushered to their green room and right. the roadies come in and set up all the gear right tell us how you know how they talk about the gospel circuit and how well how, how that's a little bit different uh, maybe
1: that that was an evolution with that for us because when we first got started we we did our own setups we had to bring in the equipment, set up the sound equipment and everything because when we went out on the road we had our own equipment and everything so we wanted our sound to be special and try to get as close to the record
0: sound as we possibly could. And you were um, in like a you have a van or a, what What kind of when we first started
1: in? out when I was with the Williams Brothers we first started out we were in a station wagon <laughs> That was a funny story about how we ever went out of the station wagon into a van because I uh, decided I wanted to take the station wagon and go visit a young lady. And we were supposed to go sing that night. And uh, somehow time was getting away from me And I have kind of looked at the time and headed down the highway. And we were on this gravel road. And somehow the van, uh, the, the station wagon, got away from me, <laughs> and then I ended up in the woods. Uh oh. <laughs> so that totaled the station wagon. Oh no. That made the transition from the station wagon to the van. So you just helping get to be more professional, right? <laughs>
0: right. <laughs> <laughs> you guys wanted to look professional, showing up, not a no station
1: wagon. You know. uh, I guess that was God's way of bringing <laughs> <Exactly>. us transformation.
0: <laughs> Fellas, you're not gonna believe this, but. God says we got to get a band. We got to get a <laughs> <laughs> And then with the Williams brothers, was that like a weekend thing where you would leave out and come and, and do those kind of drive back do and do forth? The yeah, yeah.
1: Like I said, we would do that on the weekends and come back and, and go to school. And once we all finished high school, we all decided to make a career of it. And uh, uh, we started writing different songs, which came popular and, like I said, the rest is history because the group is still
0: going. Yeah, What led to your move from the Williams Brothers over to the Southernaires?
1: Unfortunately, in 1981, I had uh, colon surgery. And uh, I had to quit traveling for a while. So while I was recuperating, Frank Williams came in and offered me a job, which at first, I wasn't playing or singing. He had me uh, helping to book some of the dates for the group, at that time, I would book some dates, and occasionally I would go out on the road with them, and they'd ask me the same background on a song or two. Later on, their drummer at the time was Brian Williams. He decided he wanted to leave the group, so they, knowing that I could play drums, they kind of just threw it in my lap, and it went on from there.
0: From eighty three on up to now and and did you make that and so or and then you you said earlier you transitioned from being in the band to to being a singer later right. on yeah um so what's it like now what are you guys um still writing or what, what's your in terms of like writing recording we're
1: kind of in, in a sabbatical right now um maybe possibly not a part of this year we might come out with a new project. uh, We're contemplating on doing something.
0: And you record those kind of in the, in the area, I guess, or do you go out?
1: Yeah, we try to stay within the area and try to not travel too far off to, to do any work anymore.
0: So what's your, you talk about being gone for, uh, you know, weeks and months back in the old days. What, what's, what's the typical kind of Jackson Southern Airs kind of, uh, before we got started, we were talking about kind of different places that Y'all used to go kind of this time. You you go to warmer places when it's cold, right?
1: Especially California. We be in California like the middle of January until the end of January, and we come back, and uh, then we maybe take off a few days in in February, and and start back in March in the Midwest, and we go on the East Coast, and gospel is always prevalent in the uh, Carolina areas.
0: And these are, um, I know there's a lot of big programs, kind of the classic, you know, where there's nine or ten groups that play at a, you know, a, a large church or an auditorium. Are those? How do those mix in with like your own kind of feature perform, feature uh, shows or performances at churches? Well, on
1: concerts like that, where you have more than three to four groups on concert, we kind of have to limit. Our, our program cut it down a little bit rather than somewhere we're in total concert by ourselves well maybe about 30 to 45 minutes when we're on with that many groups
0: Just so you have these like um, big programs mm-hmm. and 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 then you have kind of your own concerts mm-hmm. if you went out for a week or two is it is it always one thing or the other or is it a mixture and how does that in, in terms of the types of shows that you're the doing types
1: of songs that we're doing or I mean, the shows
0: see? so like you might do is it like there'll be one big program type show where you're mm-hmm. with 10 other groups and then there's a bunch of uh kind of featured performance ones of the Southern Airs. well
1: usually on the California tour we're uh mostly in concert we carried some other artists out there with them with us a couple of years to introduce them to the West Coast, like uh, we took the Williams Brothers, the Christian Ayers. One time I think we took the Canton Spirituals out with us, but uh, we were exposing them to the West Coast. But when we do stuff like that, like you said, we have to cut our concerts down in order to give them time to do their shows.
0: We're talking with Maurice Sorrell from the Jackson Southerners on the Arts Hour, and they are one of the Governor's Arts Awards uh, recipients this year, uh, February 6th at the Old Capitol. So gospel is is like any other form of music. It never, you know, if if, if it's going to be relevant to people, it has to has to change. It can't stay the same. So there's been a lot of changes in God. I mean, if people tune in thinking about, you know, what they heard 30 years ago, it's It's very different.
1: But it's changing uh, in some aspect, but traditional gospel will always be the same. It will be the roots. Uh, Even the contemporary artists uh, are coming back to some of the traditional sound of gospel or taking some of the lyrics from the traditional songs and putting a different twist to them.
0: People are looking for authenticity, too, right? Right, right. And that's right. How can you be more authentic than the Jackson Southerners, <laughs> you know? Yeah, because
1: everything starts from scratch here. You know, we uh, don't try to emulate anyone else and, and
0: just try to be original. So the the group is also, I mean, you're getting the Governor's Arts Award, but this is beyond, I mean, you, you guys have a shelf full of, of other awards yeah, for over the last got few decades. A few awards
1: over the years, and, uh, like I said, we were nominated for different Stellas and uh, well, we won a couple of stellar awards, and then we were non- nominated for a Grammy in the nineties. And uh, like I said, we have several different uh, awards for different cities that we've gone to, and people just recognize us for our talent and try to.
0: Accommodate us for. So today we're we're hearing some tracks from your kind of your greatest hits. Um, With a group that has such a long history, how do you figure out what your what your song list is going to be? Because I would imagine you have you probably have second or third generation fans coming to the group to the concerts. The way
1: we uh, really put that together is by the radio airplay. We find out what they're playing in certain areas and. That's how we evolve into putting our concerts together. Uh, There's no special, just one show that we do. But there are some songs that we do every night, but then there will be songs that will be played in that particular area that we would have to sing before we leave.
0: So a show in South Carolina might be different from a show in Pennsylvania or something. That's right, because they might be playing something totally different. So um, you know, being a gospel, carrying a message, you know, carrying you know a religious message, I'm sure people are take a lot from your music, and I'm I'm just curious about like, have you ever had, I'm um, you know, coming people coming up afterwards and talking, you know, kind of giving personal testimony to to the had, you know how your music has helped. We had that happen
1: uh, a lot of times, and uh, that's a lot of my inspiration to keep going. And then we had the fan base that would write into the company and tell how certain songs have pulled them through certain situations. And and that helps me too, because um, me being an ordained minister as well, I like seeing people come to Christ and them telling us uh, how our songs inspire them helps me.
0: Have you had people have a conversion experience as part of a concert or... or or kind of come to you asking for guidance afterwards? Yes, we sure have. And that that
1: has happened quite a bit. And uh, like I said, that's my inspiration to keep going. And I think that's why God really called me into the ministry to inspire the other people that come to us, saying that our songs inspire them. And, you know, we're here to be a blessing to
0: them through song. And you don't know who's in that room and what they're going through either, but you know that there might be the possibility that you could reach them.
1: That's right. That's my prayer every night before we go on stage is that someone receive a blessing through our song and our ministry, something that we might say in a song that m- might help them in their situation.
0: So do you, are you, uh, do you pastor a church or do, what no, is your ministry?
1: I'm, just, uh, God told me my platform is what I'm doing is, is singing am okay. evangelizing in song.
0: And it must be, I guess it's, it's a lot different than, a, I mean, you're in front of people, but it's not, it's not like hitting them with a million words like a, like a preacher would.
1: <laughs> no, I've, uh, also taken some seminary classes and and God told me preparation time is not lost time. So when I get ready to elevate you into the spoken word, I'll let you know. But as for now,
0: you sing my word. But less is more, probably. You know? <laughs> Maybe so. You can hit the bigger impact. Right. Well, thank you so much for coming in today. We thank really appreciate it. you for having it. me.
1: And I'm uh, really excited about the awards. On the uh, 6th of February. Yeah,
0: everyone, please come out and, and meet Mr. Sorrell and the other members of the Southern Airs. Old Capitol Museum, Thursday, February 6th, we will be starting at 4.30 with a reception. Six o'clock will be the ceremony. You can meet all of them. You can meet the other recipients that include uh, Steve Forbert, the singer-songwriter, uh, Richard Kelso, who's a visual artist, uh, and uh, folks from the Tougaloo Arts Collection or some of the other recipients. Well, like they say, be there or be square. Absolutely. <laughs> I don't want to meet you there. I want you to I'm beat to me beat there. Beat me there. Yeah, yeah. We, we got to work our uh, gospel stuff up here. Okay, yeah. All right. If you miss this, you will be missing, missing a, a treat. <laughs> thank you again, yes. very much. All right, thank you. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor, from fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB Public Media app.